Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Greetings, my friends. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number here is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, as always, text the word DATA, D-A-T-A. Text it to 33777. Uh, You can get a discount on the, uh, the subscription to the show notes if you do that and get them in your inbox and various monologues and the like that get pushed out. Now, I want to actually, uh, looking at the phones here, I've got some folks who have been waiting for a little while, and let me spend time on some phone calls before I talk about this Reuters race-baiting story. So save me from myself, because I'm... The problem is the phone calls that the story tends to generate are not necessarily the calls that I want to take, because um, it drives people insane and... It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to have that conversation with people, but these calls, I want to begin with Jason. Welcome to the show, Jason. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up? Um, yeah, so uh, you were talking a little bit about how Republicans, they're, they don't really know what to do in this race, uh, the ones who are running in the primary right now. Um, and maybe they're maybe they're scared to attack Trump because they're scared of what he'll say about them or maybe they're they're scared that they won't be able to win over his his supporters but um i think that there's there's a huge gap because there's um there're lots of vulnerabilities that they can they can look at here and i i think a lot in the polls right now um 60% for Trump 50% for Trump I think a lot of those people aren't really following the day-to-day things that are going on. Like, they're not following this stuff as closely as the rest of us are. Um, So, you know, I think that the idea – and many people have thought, okay, maybe maybe the um, – during the the debates, suddenly they'll start attacking Trump. But you really need to plant these seeds earlier, in my opinion – um, you can blame Trump for a lot of different things. You know, he signed the CARES Act, which definitely contributes to inflation. Republicans don't really like um, Operation Warp Speed when that was his baby. The COVID lockdowns, um, the huge national debt increase, the immigration crisis that, you know, the wall he didn't build. Um, and also, even the economic argument is getting tougher and tougher to make because the unemployment rate under Joe Biden is about three and a half percent. This is about as good as it ever was during Trump's presidency. So um, there are gaps in in terms of um, 
like the actual policies that he'd pursue. But and you've talked about this before, um, if he thinks the election was stolen and then like, it's going to then it's going to be even more stolen this time since he's not in any power. And even more than that, if he um, if he thinks that the vice president is able to decide who the president is, you know, he he thought that Mike Pence could just make him yeah. a new president, then that means Kamala Harris can choose the next president. Right. So why is Trump <laughs> yeah, even that, that is the irony here. So, yeah, okay. So, so Jason, so, here, here's the thing. You're, you're, you're right in your diagnosis, and, and people are walking on eggshells. And I do also think we are in the summer. And I should have made this point in the last hour that uh, we're, we're June 28th. We got the 4th of July coming. Then people are going to be getting their kids back to school. You'll have Labor Day. And then people will really start to pay attention. So there's time for all the other candidates. But also... They do have to make the case, as you say, against Trump, um, and they do have to make the case against Biden. Biden is now embracing the idea of Biden economy, Bidenomics. Bidenomics is what they're calling it, uh, and they're happy with it. They think it's a good thing. The problem here is that you're right about the low unemployment, but part of the reason for the low unemployment is all the people sitting on the sidelines not working. This is Biden's OMB director who's on TV this morning. They're really trying to talk up the economy right now. Um, But I am on the economics team, uh, and we're the little underdog that could. This president is always undervalued. Uh, He came in, got the pandemic under control, and that was not by accident what he did. Uh, And you wouldn't see the 13 million people back at work and unemployment numbers, uh, as you pointed out, most presidents would have loved to have. And the, e- the legislative accomplishments uh, that this president has overseen in my 20 years, I've never seen before. Uh, so we'll put that record against anyone uh, and we'll continue to be undervalued and we'll continue to overperform. Well, I know, I know you're not at the CEA, but you have breakfast usually with the leaders at least once a week or twice a week, or at least used to. Um, do you see a mild recession as possible at the first part of next year? Not when you see jobs numbers like this, Uh, not when you see wage growth like this. That is just not consistent with a recession. You know, for two years, I've been asked the same question or told uh, prognosticators say a recession is coming and we continue to see a strong labor uh, market in this country. Yeah, you do continue to see a strong labor market in this country, but you see a strong labor market in this country because a lot of people have bailed on the economy. They're sitting out. Uh, you know what's so interesting are the number of people who are working, but they're working less than 36 hours. I was actually talking to a guy yesterday uh, who said he does not want to in his business, but in, and he knows a guy similarly situated. They're having to rely on day laborers who probably are not legal because they cannot find people to do the work that they need done, and they don't want to do that, and they are forced in a position to have to do this. And it's become a real problem in the country because uh, in the gig economy and the like, you have increasingly people are trying to stay under 36 hours. They want to keep government benefits coming. And you can say all you want that we have this fantastic economy and look at the labor market, but look at all of the signs for help wanted. And it's not like all of those people died in COVID. They just fell out of the, the jobs market. Here's Paul Ryan on Biden. I think what you'll hear, like I said, is our well-massaged statistics. He'll, he'll put, a, I mean, look, I'm happy that the economy is as resilient as it is. It's yeah. great that these jobs, this, these are good things. So this is not something that, I'm not one of these people who talks down the economy just because the Democrats in the White House. Right. What I don't like is what he's proposing to do for the future, because in addition to industrial policy, which is just crony capitalism, it slows down economic growth, it harms entrepreneurship and innovation. 
He is promising not to reform entitlements. So is Trump, by the way. So we have these leaders who are saying, I am not going to do anything to stop a debt crisis in this country. And we know we have a debt crisis coming. So he's courting disaster in that front. He is basically harming our ability to stay as a reserve currency. He is moving us closer to a debt crisis by, by, uh, by basically committing not to tackle this. And then he's, in great, he's basically giving us crony capitalism and industrial policy, which you can make an exception to the rule for national security, like, like semiconductors and things like that. People agree with that. Yeah. But he wants to take that to the rest of the economy. I think That's Paul Ryan. And he's absolutely right. Uh, we're, we're having economic stagnation. We're not having a lot of growth. And that's really part of the problem here with all these people sitting on the sidelines, too. Uh, John, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, John. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, just lovely. One talking point that I've thought about and haven't heard a whole lot discussed is the issue of lame duck. Would you like to expound on that a little bit? Yeah, look, um, I I mean, the, the reality is kind of if every second term president becomes a lame duck. Um, and so if Trump gets elected for a second term, he does kind of become a lame duck pretty quickly. Lame duck is nobody really takes him seriously. They immediately start having conversations about the successor. Now he'll have a midterm election and really lame ducks are kind of labeled lame ducks after that midterm election of the second term, uh, because those first two years, a lot of people are sucking up to you. They either want your support or whatnot. But then after that, Everybody starts forward-looking to the next guy. Who's the next guy going to be? Trump could only serve four years. Any other Republican could serve eight. He immediately becomes a lame duck. And also, given 2018 and 2022, he probably is a lame duck who doesn't control either House of Congress. And so there becomes really nothing that he can get done that can't be rolled back pretty immediately by the Democrats. Um, any regulation he passes, Democrats can largely freeze in, in uh, being aggressive. So, yeah, I, I mean, for all the talk about I can be the one to fight the deep state and I'll do all these things I didn't do my first term, it kind of is a wash that the Democrats take everything back too. And 2018 and 2022 are pretty good indicators of what would happen there. To the phones we go, Karen, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Mr. Erickson. Thank you for taking sure. my call. You were talking about Donald Trump running as a Republican, but I don't understand how he can if he's not endorsed by the GOP. Well, so the the GOP, what what happens is you have your primary process, and if you get the most delegates in the primaries, you become the Republican nominee. Whether the party likes you or not, if you get the most delegates— you become the party nominee as the Republican or the Democrat, whichever party you run in. Uh, There's no formal party endorsement. But with all of these lawsuits and stuff, how come they don't have like a job description where they check people out and, you know, background checks and things? I mean, these are serious accusations he's going through. They're not allowed to, though. Um, And and this is actually a constitutional issue. The, The Constitution of the United States says the only qualifications to be president of the United States are you're a citizen, you've lived in the country for 14 years, and you're 35 or older. Uh, If you're a citizen who's lived in the country 14 years or more and you're over 35, they can't stop you from running for president. I I really think that that needs to to get changed a little bit because we have a lot of people that are running that are not qualified. I mean – 
That's I, I would agree with you. This is our lives. <laughs> That's true. Now, the, the problem, however, Karen, is, is that in order to get it changed, you need two thirds of the House to agree, two thirds of the Senate to agree and three quarters of the states to agree, which means it's not going to happen. Uh, parties want to have greater control over. So, for example, the Republicans say you got to pledge to support whoever the nominee is if you want on the debate stage. They can't stop you from qualifying and putting your name down and saying, I'm going to run, but they can stop you from getting on the debate stage and things like that. But I I, I don't think they're going to. The Democrats wouldn't do this either. Um, But there's very little they can do to stop someone from running. Uh, They rely on the voters. Um, And and you got to, the voters themselves are the ones who have to stand up and take a stand. Regardless of who you want, you got to go vote. Back to the phones we go. Jack, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Jack, welcome. Uh, thank you very much. Sure. How's everything today with you? Great. How about yourself? <laughs> Good. All right. I heard your comment about the 3.9% unemployment, that type of thing. Yep. And, and and as I remember, a few years ago, going through that with what do they use to come up with the uh, employment rate? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and they st- stated in there that if one person within a household no matter how many people are in there, if one person is working, they're all deemed to be working. That that household as a whole has a job. So all the people that live in there are part of that figure. And when you have a COVID pandemic, as we had, quote unquote, everybody, those younger people that we could use uh, working in restaurants and doing the odd jobs that they used to do, all moved out of their apartments because nobody was working and they moved in with mom and dad. So that yes. became a, so they, that became where they're living still today because they're obviously they're not going back to work because every restaurant needs employees, every uh, crew that, that uh, does yard work, wherever they're all looking for employees. Yeah. Um, okay. So that, let, let me, let me clarify this one for you, Jack, because there are two, there are two terms of art that are used. One is household employment, what you're talking about, and the other is the general employment rate. So the general employment rate is actually not based on household. There's a household rate and an individual rate. And what the media mostly gives us is the individual rate. So the 3.9% is the individual rate, not the household rate. Now, if, however, you are working part-time, and increasingly people are working part-time, you're considered part of the unemploy- you're considered part of the employment rate. This is from the um, this is from the example from the labor department itself. Garrett is 16 years old. He has no job from which he receives any pay or profit. However, Garrett does help with the regular chores around his parents' farm and spends 20 hours a week doing so. Lisa m- most of her time takes care of home and children but she helps her husband's computer software business all day, Friday, and Saturday. According to the government, both Garrett and Lisa are considered employed. They fall into a group called unpaid family workers, which includes any person who worked without pay for 15 hours or more per week in a business or farm operated by a family. Unpaid family workers comprise a small portion of total employment, but both are considered employed. You got all that. If you work multiple, uh, part-time jobs and you get to 40 hours total, you're considered working one full-time job for unemployment or for employment. 
uh, they skew the numbers these ways. They make it sound better than it is. And you got to be actively looking for a job to be considered unemployed. If you don't have a job, but you're not out looking for jobs, well, then you're going to have all sorts of problems because you're not considered employed, unemployed, or even counted by the government. He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. All right, I went long in the last segment taking people's calls. My fault. I'm sorry before Charlie lectures me. I got to tell you, before we get out of here to the bottom of the hour, uh, dozens of psychology issues. This is kind of funny. Um, so uh, Yol Inbar was, is a – Dr. Yol Inbar is a professor. Dr. Yol Inbar – uh, has written that uh, DEI statements are only there to show that a professor prescribes or subscribes to a particular ideology. So a psychology student signed a letter demanding UCLA not hire the man, and he did not get the job despite he was going to get it, but they at the last minute denied him after the students complained because... Um, they said um, he didn't subscribe to their ideology. In other words, he was right. He objected to DEI statements saying it's a statement of ideology. He objects. So the students objected to him because they wanted someone with that ideology, and UCLA caved to the students. What's more, at Penn State, it's another DEI situation. Zach DePiro is suing the school for discrimination against him based on race. He was forced to sit through DEI training where white people were singled out because of the color of their skin and told there's a problem with the white race. Oh, these DEI initiatives keep getting out of hand and provoking lawsuits. Good. Sue them out of business. Now, one of the groups opposed to all this DEI nonsense out there is Americans for Prosperity. They believe in limited government, free markets, and free people. They want you on their side, and you can join them by going to americansforprosperity.e. Uh, org slash E-R-I-C-K. AFP is a group of free marketeers who believe free markets and free people is the best way to maximize liberty. They got over 200 wins this state legislative cycle across the country, rolling back regulations, uh, expanding freedom for people. They want your help doing door knocking. They want your help um, knocking on doors, talking to voters, persuading voters, talking to local politicians. And then they make you a fantastic grassroots activist. They encourage you, empower you. They give you the tools and the training to be the best conservative activist possible. Sign up with them if you're interested. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Become a more effective conservative activist. He's got the courage to tell you the truth, even when it isn't popular. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, I want to come back to phones, but I'm, I, need to, I need to deal with the story that I'm, I have just put off dealing with, but I need to deal with it. 
Y'all know what Tuesday is, right? Tuesday is our Independence Day, the 4th of July. It is not a coincidence that a week before the 4th of July, Reuters decided to run a story that among America's political elite, Reuters found five living presidents, two Supreme Court justices, and 11 governors, and 100 legislators descend from ancestors who enslaved black people. That's right. Uh, Ironically, who is the only living president to not have ties to slavery? No, 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 no. It is not Barack Hussein Obama. It is Donald Trump. Donald Trump has no ties to slavery. Barack Obama on his mother's side comes from a family of slave owners. Why does this matter? They say few are willing to talk about their ties to America's original sin because they have no ties to America's original sin. Say what you will about Bill Clinton, and I've said much. He grew up dirt poor in in Arkansas. It's not like his family was one of wealth and privilege in Arkansas. The reason they are doing this is because Reuters, which is a progressive media outlet, increasingly so, Reuters wishes to redefine American independence and tie it to the 1619 Project that argued that the United States existed as an experiment to preserve the institution of slavery, which is flat out historically wrong and is a lie. But Reuters wants to perpetuate the slavery story in the run-up to the 4th of July because we're not allowed to celebrate America's founding anymore. We've got to be ashamed of this country's existence. The country that liberated the world from Nazism, the country that actually had states start abolishing slavery before Great Britain did, the country that has acknowledged its imperfections and always strives to be a more perfect union. The Reuters and so much of the left hate this country. And I have to tell you, I'm concerned. I've seen people that I respect on the right say things these days like, how is Vladimir Putin worse than any of these American presidents? I mean, George Bush invaded two countries. Uh, Barack Obama killed innocent people with drones. How is Vladimir Putin even worse? If you have to ask that question and you take it seriously, you are no different from the leftist agitators who do this crap with America about slavery. You are no different. Do you not realize that Vladimir Putin kills his own people, kills political dissidents in his country. Don't give me that crap about, well, Bill Clinton killed people too. There is no evidence Bill Clinton did that. I know Republicans, myself included, like to joke about it, but it's not really true. And if you've taken the joke and you've made it reality, you are a brain-damaged individual who hates this country just as much as the left did. And America will come for you. This growing perversion and hatred of the right on America because it doesn't like the institutions of the country right now. It thinks, well, you know, maybe Russia is a little better because it's not as woke. Or China is. The American public will turn on you as fast as they turned on the left in the 60s. This disdain for the country in this country. 
But this disdain for the country comes originally from the left. They really vilify this country, and Reuters really vilifies this country. Reuters wants to have a discussion about slavery for the 4th of July instead of having a conversation about how this nation and its founders built the greatest republic this world has ever seen. We've got to have some sort of shame, some sort of, we always have to have this racial reckoning. Why do we have to have the racial reckoning for the 4th of July? Didn't we have Black History Month? Didn't we have Juneteenth? Notice that Reuters did not trot out this story for Juneteenth. They trotted it out for Independence Day. Did we not have MLK Day? Now we got to make the 4th of July. We can't pop fireworks and smoke a brisket and have a beer. We got to wring our hands about, oh my gosh, five living presidents descended from slave-owning families. And then, of course, they want to have the discussion of reparations. Pay no attention to the, to the men who shed their blood on a battlefield in the Civil War to liberate slaves. No, no. Pony up, folks. It's only a matter of time before they Reuters. This is part one. This is part one. Part two will be, well, these people got rich off the United States. Look at them. They're successful, and they need to pay up. They need to pay reparations. I, I, I have a real concern on my side of the aisle, a real concern with a growing number of people I know on the right who vilify the United States. They think it's so woke, they think it's so broke, they think it's so corrupt morally, socially, economically, and they loathe the country. And they're unwilling to distinguish between our American presidents and Vladimir Putin, our American presidents, who were democratically elected, served terms in office, and walked away, and Vladimir Putin, who has held on to power ruthlessly, killing his opponents, and they can't morally distinguish between the two? There's a level of brokenness in people who are like that, and it's increasing on the right. The number of people I know, I've had people call the show and say, I tell my kids not to join the American military anymore. It's too woke of an institution. Do you understand that, yes, there are problems, and yes, we've had drag queens at airbases and stuff, but a lot of that stuff is actually played up to inflame you? That not every airbase has a drag queen, not every naval base does, not every ship at sea does, that the cultural wokeness, it is part of the military, and we should stamp it out. We should get rid of it, but it's not pervasive everywhere. I have a nephew who's in boot camp right now. Had people call the show and say, why is he wasting his time? Because he loves his country, unlike you, and he wants to defend this country. You can't set aside your cultural antagonism of the left to love the country. You're broken, just like the left. You're doing exactly like Reuters is doing. Reuters and the left, the 1619 Project guys, there's the same coin, just the opposite side of the coin. Doing well, the United States is an institutionally racist country, and it's got systemic racism everywhere, and we shouldn't like this country, and we should have to wring our hands every day, and maybe we should pay reparations to people who didn't even descend from slaves, but they might have because of the color of their skin, and we should judge people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. Who cares about Martin Luther King? That loser never even stood up and fought. He just decided to peacefully protest. That's what people on the left have started arguing. We got a, a, a group of people in this country who hate the country, and it, it, it's two sides of the same coin, left and right. The American people will come for all of them. The American people will come. I go back to that story the other day, the New York Times editorial 
assistant writer who was writing about how he hates the Flame and Hot movie because now never mind the movie is based on a lie. That guy didn't actually come up with the concept of the Flame and Hot Cheetos, but but this guy doesn't hate the movie because it's telling a lie. This guy hates the movie because it tells people if you work hard, you can be successful in America. And he says that is a perpetuation of white supremacy in the United States of America. This guy who went to Yale and write to the New York Times thinks that the idea of the, the Puritan work ethic in this country is a perpetuation of white supremacy. No, it's how you get ahead in the country. You bust your butt, you get ahead in the country. You outwork people, people notice in this country. This country is still at heart a meritocracy. We got a bunch of progressives and even some on the right who want to make it some sort of aristocracy, but it's really a meritocracy. You work hard, you invest in your community, your community invests in you, and that's part of the problem. We're seeing a lot of economic data out there now that shows this country is institutionally built on not systemic racism, but on this. You get a family, you get married, you have kids, you work hard, you invest in your local community, you join a church, and it gets paid back to you. And the people who most hate the country, the people who are not getting anything out of this country are the people who have broken that paradigm. It's the single people, the people who are from broken homes, the people who don't have a job, who don't have a work ethic, who don't go to church. Church institutionally in this country, regardless of your religious affiliation, has actually been a key way to make headway in society because you get involved in a church and it's not just there to worship God and Christ. You're there as part of a community of networked people in a community who can help you when you fall on hard times. And as you leave that behind and you leave behind the pillars of society that make society stable, you regress. And the more you regress than everyone else does, you drag society down with you. You want to be successful in life? Go join a church. Maybe you'll wind up believing in Jesus. Maybe not. But you'll find people invested in their community, and they will get you invested in your community. You get married. You have kids. You have a family. You stay married. You get a job. You keep that job. You get success in this country. That is the paradigm of success in America. It's the paradigm of success, whether you're black or white or Asian or Hispanic or gay or straight or anything else. That's the paradigm of success. But people on the left hate that. And they want to hang on to America's original sin. There's no forgiveness in the secular religion. You understand this, right? There's no grace in the secular religion. Christianity is the only religion on the planet that has a concept of grace. C.S. Lewis allegedly walked into a group of scholars at Oxford one time, and they were discussing how every religion has echoes of each other and that every religion has tenets of each other. And one of them said, Lewis, what makes Christianity unique for you to say that it's so different from all these others? He says, grace. Every religion has a concept of mercy. You will be spared from what you deserve. Only Christianity has grace. You will be given that which you do not deserve. This country is not an explicitly Christian country. I disagree with people who say that. But the founders tended to be believers, and and grace was woven into this country, that in this country you can be given what you do not deserve, but through hard work you can be given much. And the left hates that. And sadly, increasingly on the right, there's the strain of anti-Americanism as well. You don't want to recognize the differences between a George Bush and a Vladimir Putin. You don't. You want to ignore 9-11. You want to ignore he left power after eight years, term limited out, and Vladimir Putin has held on to power. You, you can't recognize the legitimacy of the Ukrainian fight. You can't recognize that no country deserves to be invaded unlawfully by its neighbor who wants their land for themselves. Even we in Iraq didn't want Iraq for ourselves. We thought we were fighting bad guys. We may have gotten it wrong. 
we, we may have misjudged, but Afghanistan, Iraq, you want to say those are illegitimate after 9-11? You're insane, and the American people will repudiate you. I would tread very carefully if you're on the right and you can't tell the difference between Vladimir Putin and American leaders. The American people will repudiate you. They did it to the left in the 1960s. It gave rise to Richard Nixon. It gave rise to Ronald Reagan. It gave gave rise to Republicans. I remember the San Francisco Democrats, the Blame America First Democrats in 1984. The public rejected Walter Mondale and those Democrats. They'll do it to the Republicans as well. You hate this country. The American people will hate you. But most loudly out there is the left that insists we dwell on race and racism and we're never allowed to move on from the conversation. We're never allowed grace. We're never allowed forgiveness. We're never allowed to acknowledge the deep progress in this country where we could get to a black president, a black vice president, a black senator from South Carolina. You're never allowed to acknowledge the progress. You're always bound by the bad deed with the secular religion. There is no grace there. The rest of us we can and should move on, and but we should be mindful. It is the mouthpieces of the media that wish to bind us to this at Independence Day. When I go out and I celebrate Independence Day next week, I'll shoot fireworks, I'll smoke a brisket, grill burgers, have a few beers, and I will make sure my children know this is the greatest country. We are the best, and we have every right and reason to claim it. We have liberated the world from Nazism, we have spread the free market principles of American idealism around the world. There is no country on this planet where people die to get to to be free. And so many people are willing to die to get here. Why? Because we are the best country. And if you can't look yourself in the mirror and honestly tell yourself that and cite the examples of why, you may need to rethink being here. And if you're on the right and you're like that, you may need to think how online you are and how broken you've become because you've allowed the left to break you, not this country, and you may need to recalibrate yourself. Now, we got to move on, but before we do, let me tell you about Advantage Gold. I saw that some some dude the other day sold some massive amount of gold to continue funding his lifestyle, and I thought that was interesting. I can't remember. Some famous person. Uh, let me tell you about Advantage Gold. If you want gold in your portfolio, to balance your 401k, to balance your IRA, go to Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold is TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They've got great prices and staff, fantastic IRA department. They, my friends, can give you the free gold IRA investment kit that tells you what you need to know to comply with the IRS rules for holding gold in a retirement portfolio. 800-450-2566. Did you know that? If you have precious metals as part of a retirement portfolio, you got to store them in a particular way to comply with the IRS. Let Advantage Gold educate you. 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. 800-450-2566. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. The perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. Why, hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I, I want to end on government buildings. I So I have a house in my head. One day, I, I really hope this radio show does take off. Uh, to to provide me the income to build this house that's been stuck in my head. I, I love classical architecture. 
um, neoclassical, Greco-Roman, you name it. I, I love old school Southern architecture, uh, the, the, the old farmhouse trend that's up. I, I got my buddy Vince uh, Longo is a home builder in Atlanta and one day, I just I want the money for him to build the house that's in my head. There, there's a great architecture shop. Uh, it's called uh, Historical Concepts, and they specialize in historic uh, architecture as opposed to the, the modern, soulless stuff that so many people want. And it, there's a movement afoot now, and it's bipartisan, thank goodness, for the government to go back to reflecting the old-school architecture of the day. You know, there's this brutalist architecture that really is called brutalist, and the buildings look brutal, and it was big in the Soviet Union and in the 1970s in the United States, and it's buildings without soul. I want something Beaux-Arts, Greco-Roman, neoclassical. Uh, increasingly in government, the government is, is coming back to the idea that our buildings for government should be beautiful. Not these hideous, hideous buildings. Uh, the J. Edgar Hoover building is, a, according to the Wall Street Journal, a squat concrete fortress completed in 1975 with two formidably blank stories at the base. Slightly higher structures resembling prison guard towers mark the corners of the grid-like facade. Over part of the building hovers a concrete slab standing on four piers like a vicious incubus, constantly surveilling the main structure, poised to bite it to keep it in line. Or fly across the country to architect Tom Main's federal building in San Francisco, a sharp-edged metal structure whose four central windows evoke the malign vigilance of the Cyclops combined with the Stasi, all topped by a metal hairnet that resembles the barbed wire of a concentration camp. The building's touted energy-saving nostrums come at the expense of the occupant's comfort. Its soulless plaza draws the homeless. But there are some beautiful buildings out there. The problem is that bureaucrats have screwed up the architectural process, and now Marco Rubio, Jim Banks, and several others in Congress want to get back to classical American architecture, and I sure hope they do. We should have beautiful government buildings, even if they're a little more pricey. People should know we respect our government and we respect the country, and it's reflected in our architecture instead of this crap they've been building for decades. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.